Welcome to the H1B Guy podcast. This is Stamp It Out Q&A 5. The Stamp It Out Q&A is a series documenting U.S. employment-based immigrants' personal stories. This episode originally aired on December 2nd, 2020 on the H1B Guy channel on YouTube. I had the privilege of hosting my good friend, Dr. Oscar Cabrisas, for the Stamp It Out Q&A 5. In this episode, we covered his immigration journey, aging out, studying in the U.S., immigration reform, and a whole lot more. The H-1B Guy podcast is proudly sponsored by RecruiterNetworks.com, the smart solution for digital perm ads since 2001. Recruiter Network saves you time and money, minimal labor management, and flat job post pricing that provides recruitment websites in 1,024 major U.S. metro areas. Their services include automated certified screenshots, ready for upload, and on-demand storage for life. RecruiterNetworks.com. Tell them the H-1B guy sent you. The H-1B guy podcast is also brought to you by Path to Canada. Path to Canada provides a plan B for high-skilled immigrants currently in the U.S. whose status may be uncertain. If you're facing an H-1B denial or OPT expiration, don't get caught off guard. Make sure you have a plan B. Path to Canada is your answer and will help you navigate the process. Interested in finding out more? Click the link in the podcast description. Okay, everybody, the H1B guy here, and today the H1B guy live, stamp it out, five, a Q&A discussing immigration, aging out, merit, and more. But before we get started, I'd like to ask you, if you haven't already, to please subscribe to the H1B guy channel here on YouTube. It helps me to produce more content like this for you. Since we're doing a live stream today, I wanted to ask you to go ahead and hit that like button really helps for the YouTube algorithm and promoting this live stream out to the masses. I also wanted to mention that the H1B guy offers a variety of consulting services. If I can provide you peace of mind by helping you bridge the gap between your employer and your immigration attorney, or if you just have some questions on your situation, please reach out. I'd love to hear how I can help you. Today, it's my pleasure to introduce Dr. Oscar Cabrisas. Oscar and I were first introduced, like many of you and I have been introduced, on Twitter. And I wanted to say that if you have any questions for Oscar or I, we're going to do a Q&A at the end of the interview here. Uh, for any of you guys out there on YouTube that are watching, uh, so please go ahead and post those into the comments, and, and we'll get to them at the, uh, the end of the interview here. So without further ado, Oscar, how are you doing today? Doing great. Thanks for having me at this. This is this is awesome. Well, I'm very excited to have you join us here um, on the fifth Stamp It Out. You know, as I've already said, um, I just want to get right into it. And uh, if you can tell me your story, you know, where are you originally from? How did you migrate to the U.S.? Sure. Uh, well, it's uh, nice to see you, everybody, on, on this line. Uh, I got I got quite the story, so I'm. Uh, Thankful, number one, that I can share some of the stuff that I lived, best practices, because I did learn throughout all these years here. So uh, 
Here we go. So I came, I'm, I'm an originally, I was originally born in Venezuela. I came here at the age of 16 back in 2000. Wow. Uh, I came through my parents. My parents had an L1, L2 visa because uh, my dad had a company in Venezuela and opened a company here so we could get transferred over and had both operations going. Over the time, as the economical situation down in Venezuela got, it just deteriorated. It was just went wrong. Dad closed out the company. We were here. Dad changed actually got a job. Moved to an H-1B visa on his, you know, that time. Uh, so we're, we're all kind of like umbrellaed under his status. I was in school and all the good stuff. And then guess what? I aged out. I, uh, I, I turned 21. They had filed their perm that everything was going on their green card. But then I got a letter saying, well, he's, he's 21. You can't be under that process. So guess what? I had to start from scratch and, uh, yeah, then I, well, I went from an H4 to actually sort of like an umbrella B1, B2. Uh, so a, a visitor visa, at least I temporarily. Went, I went from having everything to having nothing to start mm. from literally back from scratch. And dude, it, it you know, I, I went in the six months, six months of coming over. I was trying to get an F1. It got denied. Uh, the government said, well, yeah, why? You know, it's like, well, you know, I appealed. I say, hey, you know, we. I've been here, you know, I'm doing school and whatnot. So I did have to drop out of school all that time. I was just doing nothing. So you were enrolled as an H4 uh, dependent in university, aged out, had to drop out of school and then work your way through like a B1 visitor visa, at least temporarily to, to bridge the gap. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So I was just like, okay, well, I'm bridging the gap. I can't stay out of status. First, because I'm coming from a country where there's no law, right? I mean, it was just getting it was getting worse and worse and worse, and I have no family over there. All my family is here. So what do I do, right? And, uh, yeah, I had to start from there. You know, thankfully, the appeal was was accepted. I reached out to a congressman and say, hey, you know, I need your help. I'm, I'm studying. I'm, I'm majoring in chemistry and whatnot. I want to stay here. I, so it went through, uh, finally, you know, and I, I, I got my F1 status. And then I finished my bachelor's. And then as I was finishing my bachelor's, I'm like, what do I do? You know, like, uh, what are the choices? Um, do I go get a job? Do I, you know, leave the country, find something else to do? And I mean, I had to figure this out. So, you know, thankfully enough, like my, my colleagues in the, in the lab at, at school were telling me, well, you can go get a doctorate or get go to grad school. It's free. I'm like, what do you mean it's free? Yeah, when science is like chemistry, biology, physics, math i mean typically you you get a stipend so you can live so i went and applied for grad school or, you know i was already publishing some papers and then i went out and you know went to grad school i went actually back to the school i had started in south carolina and uh yeah I, it was four years of like you know take it easy you, you go do your research you teach you, you get paid to you know to live and research and teaching and all that stuff so then, you know, it's kind of it gives you a little bit of a calm, calmness. You know, you're in a little, a little sense of security, at least temporarily, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. man. So I, I went ahead and I did that. And uh, now, you know, the, the four years are coming. Like, what do you do, right? Like, 
go again, going back to the same question, go get a job, go to postdoc or try to get an academic position. I personally did not want to be in academia. I said, I've always wanted to be in the industry. At that point, I kind of had decided that. And in all those years, I, you know, it's funny. I, I never got married or had the chance to go get married to an American girl. I could mm-hmm. have done that. Mm-hmm. I didn't, you know, I could yeah. have, we were not, we would not be having this conversation right now. Yeah. That's, um, that's <laughs> the joke that a lot of people find offensive yeah. is go marry an American. If you want citizenship, right? I mean, it's easy, right? Yeah. So, but no, I didn't. They said, no, I'm going to do this on my way. I'm going to marry myself into the United States. Mm-hmm. I married, I'm going to do it. So guess yeah. what? I went and I, uh, I graduated in 2011. Fortunately, I was doing some partnership with some companies and I was already kind of going to conferences. Hey, I need a job. I mean, mm-hmm. before before I graduate, I'm like, I need a job after I'm done because otherwise I, I can't. I got to figure it out. Luckily enough, I had a good company that came and said, yeah, we'll, we'll hire you. I mean, I said, well, I, I need a visa to stay here. I need a need an H1 and, and you need my green, my green card. Please do it. You know, like, fine. So they, 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 they agreed to sponsor me, you know, so I had an OPT, I went and started working and then filled, they had that, that thing called the cap gap. You remember that? Yeah. 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 This, that was, that was a nice yeah. thing. Cause where, when you're on OPT and you're HS selected, those periods of time between the lottery selection and, and the change of status, right. Which is October I, 1st is that gap period. Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, the lawyer they had hired because that's another thing. They hired a lawyer, and this mm-hmm. is when the this is when the information that I'm about to give you or trying to illustrate here and exchange with you, the moment you agree to go and work with somebody and they agreed reciprocally to sponsor you, you gotta know that you're surrounding the rights to that lawyer. That lawyer belongs to that company, but I didn't right. know that. I didn't know right. that. I'm like, okay, that's my lawyer, and I I can help hold her. No. But yeah, we we talked about that a good bit on this channel, Oscar. Which yeah. is the lawyer. And listen, you have to have an immigration attorney. We've covered this multiple times here. That yeah. I'm not an immigration attorney. I don't provide legal advice. Everything I talk about here on this channel is my opinion, right? Yeah, but here. when you have an employer sponsoring you as a petitioner right? The immigration attorney is on retainer for the employer, not for you, the beneficiary. The information that they provide to you is really based on the agreement with the employer, your employer, the petitioner, and what information they allow to flow down to you. And I think one of the points that you're getting to is that you as the employee have the right to have your own outside legal counsel. And I didn't know that. You know, you come out as an international student. Typically, that's what happens when, you know, you're in that situation. You want to stay here. You know, I wanted to stay here. Well, I needed to stay here because my family, my direct family is here. I don't have any family outside. I don't have family back in Venezuela anymore. They're gone. I mean, everybody's been gone. So I had nowhere to go back and say, well, let me go back and figure no. And plus the situation, the political situation, economic, and nothing. I mean, what am I going to do there? Starve or whatever? Yeah, there's a there's a song um, that was very popular when I was in college is uh, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Right. And so where where is home? Yeah, I I guess that kind of leads into, you know, when you did age out. Right. What was that period of time like for you in your life? 
Dude, I mean, that sucked. It sucked because you just don't know now. Like, all of a sudden, like, now I have to break my parents' savings because now I got to pay a premium. I mean, thankfully, I, I stayed in school for like a year and a half. I mean, I was already up to my junior year, mm-hmm. so to speak, and I could, you know, finish. And then I was, I came home, I came down, it was in South Florida, in, in Miami. Uh, I was living with my parents and, you know, I didn't have to pay for a board or anything, but I had to pay the premium of tuition. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was, it was tough, but we did it, you know, I mean, there was, there was no other choice. So yeah, it was, it was a really rough period, man, because you just don't know. You don't have an answer. Mm-hmm. I didn't have an answer what I'm going to do. I didn't have an answer. When am I going to get to school? What if I have to leave? Where do I go? I don't know anybody outside of the country, especially mm-hmm. for somebody that's young, that's going to grow up here because my parents brought me here. I mean, you know, I came with my sisters and everybody and, you know, we're here. What do you do? You don't know anything outside. Well, so, I think the thing too, yeah. as a teenager, you came here and it wasn't your choice. No. No. no matter how you you spent it, your parents made that decision for you and you had no choice to stay with grandparents or an aunt or uncle at that point in your life. It wasn't. I, I, I didn't I didn't have the conscience to tell my parents, hey, you know mm-hmm. what? Let's go to England. Sometimes yeah. I retroactively look at this and I say, I should have told my parents when I was in eighth grade, you know what? We should come to America right now. <laughs> yeah. How do you know that when you're 14, right. 13? But right. I used to come here. I was like going to summer camps and. Which kind of leads me to another question, and that's if if you could go back and give advice to your 21-year-old self going through that aging out period, what what would that be? I'm I'm thinking about it. It's a a tough – I would have probably done what I did, which is, you know, stick to a major and stick to – do the did research because you know I haven't finished a story where I'm going with it, but mm-hmm. I did research back then that when you have a, a high degree here in the US, that the you know, if you wanted to stay on your own, you have to go through the process, there's a higher chance for you to stay, or there are mechanisms for you to, you know, stay here. I I had the chance to get married, not that I was with somebody, but it was something I had contemplated. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I need to go meet somebody and say, hey, I'll pay you 10,000 bucks to get married with me. And that time was easy. You know, mm-hmm. not now. Now you yeah, have more scrutiny. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, 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 I did contemplate that because I had I have a necessity. But at the end of the day, you know, thank God it just did not happen. I, mm-hmm. I stuck to, to my, my guns and I'm like, oh, I got to prevail through this. I got to do it like everybody does um, um, and not, you know, just do the things that are right. So that I did some investigations, I you know PhDs and stuff like that. I'm like, not that I wanted to get a PhD because I had other dreams and all stuff, but uh, I did. I mean, I'm enjoying what I have today, what I'm doing. I've learned so much and given me so many skills. So when I was at that job that, you know, I got my H1B, I got my first one, my first H1B. And I was like, perfect. Well, you know, another three years of cushion. I uh, be in Venezuela, not having an embassy in Venezuela, and I needed to do some international travel after what had been 15 years. No, even more, like maybe maybe 12 years or something like that. What, that what I year, hadn't left the country to go somewhere else. What year did you first get your H? Do you remember? Uh, it was 2011, right when I graduated. 2011. Yeah, okay. it was a good year because it was like there were plenty of visas that you know mm-hmm. like there were. I think that was the year of major cap gap 
as I learned, like there were so many H1Bs available, like employers did not want to sponsor. For the advanced degree, degree category, category too. Advanced. So I had my advanced degree and I was like, perfect. You know, it, it just worked out beautifully. So I, I went up to Toronto because that you could do consular processing uh, mm -hmm. or Mexico, like Canada or Mexico. Um, I went to Canada safer. I'm going to go to Mexico. Um, I went out there. I, I yeah, It worked out uh, nicely. But I do have a story around it. So like, this out. I went and I go to the embassy and I'm going with my papers ready. I have my backpack, my laptop. I'm like, whatever these guys need. And I hadn't been in an embassy forever. Forgot that you cannot bring anything. <laughs> and it's like 10 minutes till my appointment. And I'm outside of the embassy. I'm like, what do I do? Like, I can't go in. I literally, I'm not kidding, man. I'm, I ran, there was a garage in front of the U.S. Embassy in Toronto. And there was this, this box, this recycling box. I just threw my computers. I threw everything that was electronic there. I'm like, if this is gone, this is gone. Whatever. I can't do anything about it. But mm -hmm. I did. I got to get my visa so I can go back to work. Dude, I, I laid it out. I went. I did the interview. Thankfully, I had a good officer. She was super nice. Yeah, this looks good. This checks out. You're, you're good to go. Ran out, and my bag was still there. Oh, magical. Yeah. Magical. Like in the middle of downtown Toronto, you leave all your belongings outside. It was anyhow. So that was the experience. That was, that was good. And then the years passed three years. I actually, now the third year I had decided to get married. Mm -hmm. uh, and I decided to, I met, I met a girl in, in, in Europe, in Hungary. And, you know, we started going out the distance. I started traveling back and forth a lot. By the way, that's when you travel outside of the country, uh, and it's it's a good thing and a bad thing. It's it's a good thing because you can grab those days, and at the end of your H one B, like if your your days are running out, you can add those days that you were not, and you can right recapture the, that time. That's that was pretty. I mean, I'm I'm kind of glad I did that because it did help me later in the later further later. Mm -hmm. Um. So anyhow, I traveled back and forth. And I came back and, well, you know, I mar got married abroad. And I said, well, let's go. Come with me. I'm still working on my green card so you can come mm -hmm. and benefit, blah, blah, blah. So guess what? So she comes with me after I – she comes right to the U.S. right at the end of my visa, my, my first H-1B. And then, of course, during the first three years, I, I clearly told my employer, I need you to start filing for my green card right now. I need you to start working on a perm and all this stuff because this thing takes time. It does mm -hmm. take time. I don't know if they did it. My, they told me yes, of course. You know, all the lawyers will tell you, yeah, blah blah blah. We're doing it. We're working. We're gonna certify. We need to get the prevailing wage and also. I don't know if it happened. I want to say it didn't mm -hmm. because it comes close to my that first three years. I'm like, listen, where where are we? Well, we're still asking for a prevailing wage. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> I'm like, I'm more informed than you are, or like, and the employer's not telling you anything. They just tell right. You, my, my, my experience with that is typically when there is a delay at the prevailing wage phase, yeah. there's been an unfavorable wage determination sent back to your employer that says, we've determined the wage should be X. You're paying him Y. Are you willing to meet wage X at the time of adjustment of status? Yeah. And what that does is it freaks employers out because they think they need to be paying you that wage like right then. But really, it's adjustment of status whenever that may be, which could be, you know, a few years down the road or like some. I honestly don't get, right. But, and I honestly don't know. I mean, I, I think that could have been 
but yeah. I had like no answers, nothing. Mm. And I'm like, well, um, here we go. So what do I do? Right? Like, well, you know, I got to extend, but at the same time within the company, I had the, the opportunity to move up the lab and say, mm -hmm. well, we're going to make you a regional manager. We're going to make you, you know, go work in the field more than you're doing more specialized, more sales, more commercial. That's kind of where, and I said, sure, you know, I might, I'm going to do it. But with that, I press, I didn't know I was pressing the reset button on everything that I had mm -hmm. started. Yeah. I didn't know that. But, and I said, and in my mind, it was like, I'm actually doing me a favor because I'm going to have something more specialized than anybody else. That is a very, very truly unique niche job that they're not going to be able to find any candidates for mm -hmm. because I'm able to fulfill that. And mm -hmm. I didn't do that. You see, it just I went from like not understanding anything to start really, really researching this. And um, yeah, I did it. I said, okay, I took the job. I just didn't know I was doing a pressing my own reset button. Mm -hmm. so I, I, I extended, I went and applied for an extension. Uh, they changed my role, all good. And it, the change of stat, you know, the extension came through wonderful. I mean, it was, it, that worked out perfectly. Now, like I said before, I had married this girl. I had to come bring it over. So she came, we flew in this time to Ottawa because Toronto didn't have appointments. And I said, well, this will be cake. I did it last time. It was awesome. It was quick, two or three days, nice days in Canada. You wait for your passport back, see you home. No. So I went out there. It was Ottawa. It was minus 25 Celsius. Um, <laughs> it was cool. mm -hmm. And well, I go and do the interview again. And I'm like, yeah, man, you know, I'm like going to the officer. Hey, good to see you again. Like, um, this was a different officer, of course. But I'm, you know, what do you do? Blah, blah, blah. I'm a scientist. I, I do research and, and I don't know why I triggered on the officer and he looked at me and it's like, nah, this is not good. I'm like, what are you talking? This is not good. This is an extension of what I'm doing. I'm doing the same thing. I just need to go back. No, it's not good. I need to send it to Washington for review. I get this blue sheet of death. It's like a the blue. 221 G, right? I mean, that's the blue or green. I've seen it pink too. You pink it. Yeah. I, um, and I had yellow. Asked, yeah. I had asked the lawyer before. Hey, this is never going to happen, right? I'm kind of, no, don't freak out. This is stuff that they put in the internet. It just happens when they're really shady companies. I'm like, yeah, what shouldn't happen to me? <laughs> you know, I'm working for a legit, you know, five, $7 million company where we're building a business and this is happening. So yeah, it happened. And the officer tells me, well, you know, you know, I told him, so what are my options or what do I need to do? Well, this has got to go to Washington. I have to wait for a reply. This can go from two weeks to four weeks to three months, to six months. And I'm like, you're telling me I have to stay in Canada for six months. I'm like, I can't do that. I'm like, well, you can go back to Venezuela. I'm like, where's this guy living? So guess what? I, I got stuck in Canada for a month. It was literally a month until they, they called me back and said, yeah, you're, you're good to go. Come and process. And during that month, thankfully, my employer, you know, they, they paid for the hotel and everything. But I couldn't do anything. Again, I was just stuck. Now I was stuck out of the country. I'm a foreigner. What am I going to do here? At least it was like a nice little vacation going around the snow. And, yeah, you know, but minus 25 isn't uh, what I'd call nice for people that live uh, south of the Mason-Dixon line here in the United States. We're just not used to those temperatures. Oh, it, it was brutal. I, I drove. I remember driving down to Toronto, 
anyhow, and then coming back, we, we I just decided to drive because at that time I was living in, in, in New Jersey. It was right by New York City. So I said, ah, it's just a six-hour drive home. And that's what we mm -hmm. did, going to airports. I trying to avoid all of that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was – that was the experience. And coming back, well, now second H1B, now married, live, blah, blah, blah. Best, you know, you got three more years what's happening with my green card like i should have already a perm approved because if i have a perm approved i can just wait and this will trickle you know no man so prevailing wages again stuck in i don't know like took it a year and a half and then the lawyer says okay we got them now we're gonna file for i forgot what the step after the prevailing wages is. Uh, uh, the, per, the, the perm labor um, where they'll, they'll file that they've gone through the recruitment process right yeah, and, so they're going through the recruitment correct this is yeah yeah we're going through the recruitment process and we're going through it and i'm like okay yeah sure awesome I'm, I'm i'm ecstatic so have you found anybody no no nobody has applied i went where have you posted the job i'm like well we've posted it in dark sites i'm like what dark sites oh we cannot tell you i'm like so to me it's like are you doing it or you're not typically right it in the company's website which they never did you're you're out there googling your job title trying to find it right like where is it <laughs> and then i realized i said no we got an audit we got triggered for an audit i'm like what are you talking about like you got triggered yeah because you know you're doing such a specialized job and they we still have to post in some other counties in new jersey and it's not right and i'm like all this time it's just passing by passing 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 and i'm like I've got to do something because this is going to drag. I mean, this is going to drag for years. So I looked and I said, well, I got to, you know, I, I had my, that time my ex-wife, I called my parents. I'm like, what do I do? So I started calling, you know, well, maybe I got to go get another job, maybe change to an O visa. Maybe that mm -hmm. would probably keep me going. And so I, I actually called a few lawyers and mm -hmm. then told me, hey, man, send us your cv because you have a phd in chemistry you're, you're sort of published because i'm like i said i don't work in academia or anything completely published Let, let's take a look at your cv and uh they say man you you have a shot at the niw here mm -hmm. and niw is the national interest waiver for those of you who don't know which is probably i'd say somewhere between uh an eb1 and eb2 category right if if I, I'm going to label it, which really isn't fair. But what it does allow is you to bypass prevailing wage determinations. Um, and so it really expedites the process when when you're going through sort of the perm labor. So go ahead, Oscar. Exactly. So I checked with a few lawyers and they were really graciously enough. And I said, yeah, sure. I mean, we'll charge you this much. And it was like a bunch of money. I'm like, you know, I said, screw it. I'm going to do it. You know what? Like I, have, I gotta take a chance. I gotta take a stand here because this is it. And I did it. You know, they they asked me for letters of reference from professors, my publications, people that know no don't know me well, but they know me. I mean, it was really well. It made sense. It was like this is my life. Like, hey, I'm a scientist. I'm contributing the economy. I'm, you know, doing all of this. So I put it through, and in six months, my M140 was approved. I was like. I can't believe this. Yeah, and yeah. I, in that time, all that six months, my H-1B had already, uh, it was between almost expired and about to be expired. It was kind of like that. Mm -hmm. And I quit jobs. I quit, I quit the company and said, screw it. Like this is already through because what that process that I had done entitled me, entitled me to an EAD card. 
Right. The and EAD I, with advanced parole. And that's parole. something I've talked about a good bit on this channel, right? Is that that provides you freedom and that freedom right. is freedom of choice, right? Freedom Absolutely. for you to choose who you work for, how much you're paid and the ability to travel uh, without restriction. Exactly. Exactly. Not that I needed to travel abroad. I mean, when I changed the employer, um, I was just like, well, yeah, I may have to go to like China or even go to India or, you know, we have to go seminars. That's fine. I said, well, screw it. You know, if I if I need to travel, I will, but not that I want it. But anyhow, I got it. And that kind of gave me the, the get out of jail, the, the get out of jail card. And I was like, I'm on. I left, I left the company and I said, I'm sorry, you guys effed up my green card process. I have no knowledge. I know it's your process, but I have a life and my priorities and I just left. And I don't know yeah, what that yeah. ended up happening. I don't know if they pulled back. I have no idea. So I just left it as is. I got a job with a different company. And of course, you know, with all of this, they had their own immigration lawyers and said, well, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, I have an ADE. I have, a, I have an NIW pending. And uh, I don't know. So they said, well, yeah. let's recapture, like, like I said before in our conversation, all those days that I had traveled, on those six years with H1, I recaptured, I want to say a year and change of the right, of, right. of so, so that means that you spent 53, 54 weeks out of the country in those three years of being six years, under eight. Six years. Yeah, yeah. six years. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I did. I mean, and so I was able to recapture so much, so many days uh, that it was great because that kind of percolated into the extension they yeah. changed h1b from one employer to the other because they say mm -hmm. i had to do it despite i had an ead uh and then the lawyer for this other company says well i don't know if your niw is gonna get approved and all this went i'm like dude i gotta give it a shot because you know i'm nothing else and i i actually email him like boom you know i'm like thank god it is. Yeah. yeah so that that freed me up and of course and uh, but what was interesting enough is that the, the trump administration had already put the the interview process on board and uh, that's the biometrics and everything involved in yeah, now they had an interview with you like almost like what they do with marriage cases yeah they wanted to have interviews for employers so i was kind of like the first way so that kind of delayed things is that as what i had learned through forums and people is that the moment that the 140 the i-140 was approved you get the 485 is approved immediately like they waive the interview in that time you would get everything on the mail in like two three weeks but no this this kind of like pushed it down so i did that interview and it was sorry guys i, I, I like hate cousin but this bullshit it was absolutely yes <laughs> because the officer asked more questions to my ex-wife today because she's i got divorced um but they asked her everything about her marriage and the guy asked me, so what do you do? I'm like, I'm a scientist. I do research. Okay. What kind of research do you do? I'm in chemistry. Okay. That's all I wanted to know from you. I'm like, all of this for two, three questions, this is wrong. You know, I mean, I, I guess the guy was an expert in something else, but that's fine. Like, so what's the point of doing these interviews when you, they know that you are bringing to the economy and you're not really, it's not a marriage case, it's, it's a job case. Yeah, I've talked about that a good bit, which is, you know, that's at the discretion of the bureaucrat, which is dangerous because dangerous. ultimately it's, it's one person's opinion yeah, based, it, it, based on the evidence of your case, right? And so that's what's scary about, you know, these interviews and, and the process of those requirements and everything that goes into that is that it's at the bureaucrat, the consular or the VO, however you want to describe it, that officer's discretion. 
Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that was really nice. There was nothing, mm -hmm. nothing wrong, but you know, it just makes you think like this is people like the people are listening to this and they watch, you know, what's the point of these interviews? If you know, what are they going to ask you? Like, what do you do? Like, do they care? All they want to know if you're working at, you can bring a pay stub. I brought them like, Hey, here's a pay stub. Yeah. Like, I'm working. Yeah. Right? Here, here's my W2 the last five years. Want to exactly. see them? Right. Here you go. I, I've made I've made five times what you've made. Do you want to see that? Yeah. Exactly. Like, so anyhow, that that worked out, you know. After that, then you know, I moved back here to Florida. Now I mm -hmm. have like sort of a calmer life. But again, I, and I and this is kind of where I want to conclude the story. It really doesn't end up after you get a green card, guys. I think uh, you know it really. I think it ends. I don't know if it ends because even you you naturalize and still an immigrant here, mm -hmm. but I mean, I feel like now I have to be more careful because, you know, you, you have a green card and you have to protect your record. You have to protect who you are. You have to protect, you know, try to avoid encounters with law enforcement, uh, stupid stuff that, you know, it's not going to hurt you in the end, but it, it, it's, it's just more, it's more crystal. It's more like a, like a crystal. Yeah. I'd, I'd almost say you have security, but it's almost like you're an egg. Right, like you know, I mean, bump into something and out spills out the content, you know. Exactly. No, so. I I think too though, Oscar, to to your point, it, it goes back to your journey isn't over because your personal story and what we're telling here. Um, there's some folks in the chat, and we'll get to that kind of at the end of the Q and A here, but they're gonna benefit from your experience. And I see that right now based on some of the questions that we're, we're going to get to that are in the chat for you. And sure. that, that is what is, is really, I think, the most important thing. And one of the things that I've talked about on this platform is we have to continue to talk. We have to talk about the issues. We have to try to create solutions that can help solve them and talk about them further. Um, I, I don't know if you saw yet earlier today, but... Um, there's a reporter that I follow for CBS News, Camillo Montoyo Galvez, and, and he broke some news on, on DACA. And, you know, I've been really big on, on DACA and DALCA kind of being one and the same. And, and there's a lot of people that, that don't agree with that opinion. But Camillo says, quote, on, on Twitter that the Trump administration told a federal court late last night it agrees DHS head Chad Wolf's restrictions on DACA should be set aside. That would, Department of Justice agrees, return DACA to its 2012 form, allowing initial applications and two-year protections, work permits. Wolf had enacted a one-year period. Continuing on, it says, in some, DACA remains close to initial applicants, though that could soon change via an order from Judge Garafis. Also, these lawsuits, particularly the one overseen by Judge Hansen, could complicate President-elect Biden's pledge to fully restore DACA. Listen, I, I think I think this is really good. I mean, I, I, I'm telling you because living in South Florida, I mean, having grown up through the regular system, and I've seen a lot of kids that went to school with my sisters. My kid sisters grew up here, okay? They're fully full citizens. I mean, we, we're, we didn't speak in English. We, we hardly speak in Spanish. That's, mm -hmm. that's, and, you know, I see their classmates, and some of them, their parents just left Colombia or left Brazil, left whatever, just to come here to try to get a life. Now that they could not get an H1B, they couldn't. There's some people that are, they just don't fit that, right? Um, and these kids are DACA. Today, that's that's all they have. I mean, and so what are these kids going to do? They're going to get deported out there to a country 
that they just don't know anything about. I mean, it's it's so. And I think it goes back to how many eighteen to twenty year olds really know what they want to do with their career, right? I mean, I know, yeah, you want to get a degree and and figure it out, but like, you know, I, I know. I mean, I changed majors like three times, I think. <laughs> so I, again, it, it goes back to really not not knowing, you know, what's next. But yeah, I mean, I think this is good news. I think you know, as I've talked about. Um, one thing that President like Biden, I think, really will focus on is is the DACA component. There's been a lot of news coverage and a lot of the 11 million undocumented. I mean, I guess we'll see how that that plays out and what that looks like over time. Um, but if anything, I mean, at least you're seeing some extension of time, not a lessening of it. You know, when you talk about lessening of time of, of extensions, you're talking about more revenue generated for USCIS, DHS because of the the fees involved they, they wanted to they wanted to kick the fees up for citizenship like tremendously and mm-hmm. i mean i think they refuted correct like they got yeah fee-based model it was it was declined i believe i saw but they, they but they, they've raised other fees I mean, it's, it's nuts i mean it's, premium processing for um various filings now was over two thousand dollars that's just it's crazy and yet, you know, back in June, July, there was in August reportings of these deficits. So it really kind of creates a lot of questions. You know, I know you you, you briefly mentioned this, um, but I just wanted to to go back and cover it. So you started out at, at University of South Carolina in Columbia, aged out. Then once you got your um, your F one, you you graduated from Florida International. It, correct, correct. It, yeah, I moved chemistry. back. I'm okay. Back to Miami, yeah, yeah. Just and and then you went back to USC to do your yeah. your PhD. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. It's like back and forth, and then yeah. moved to Maryland, worked in Maryland in Washington, Washington D.C. area. Yeah. So I got my first H-1B, and then the second I moved to the New York City, New Jersey. I lived in New Jersey. Uh, I mean, it was nice to be in Manhattan every day because you could cross mm-hmm. a bridge in and out. I mean, it was like ten minutes, fifteen yeah. minutes, depending on the. But um, but yeah, I mean, after that, I was just like, I was burnt out of being up there and wanted to come back. And this was, this, yeah. this was it, so. L- little different South Florida than uh, the New York, New Jersey area. That's yeah, it, for sure. It's been cold today. It's been like 50 degrees here. Yeah, it's cold, uh, cold here. Cold here in Atlanta is low 40s. And, you know, when you have the heat running in the house, it's hot in the house, but cold outside. So just can't can't seem to, to find the, the right temp. But um. I wanted to ask for those that are out there watching right now, if you can like this video, it definitely helps with the YouTube algorithm and promoting the live stream. Uh, we have several more questions that we're gonna get to here. I also know a lot of you have posted questions already in the comments section for the Q&A. We'll get to that at the end um, of my questions here for, for Oscar, but if you can post those in the chat, um, we've already got a pretty good list of those, but if you have any others, Go ahead and, and post those in the in the chat now. Um, so, Oscar, you know, you've been very vocal on Twitter, um, really during the election. If I go back and look at your timeline, yeah, you know, it's a lot of heat. August, September, October. What was motivating you to 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 speak out? Well, I mean, there's a lot of there's some factors in there. Number one, I'm Venezuelan, right? Um, I I was born in Venezuela. I don't concern me myself anymore. Like, oh, I'm a passionate Venezuelan. No, I but I do feel for people um, that came from there are still trying to come over and still people that are there. 
So I, I was really vocal. Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to hide it. A very Republican mindset. That's what I wanted. Not really the whole Biden thing, but that's just my opinion. Mm -hmm. Again, not because of it. I think the, the major thing that I disagree with the whole Trump administration is that their approach to immigration is completely wrong. Right. Economy-wise, at least for me, for the business I am, it's been great. It's been phenomenal. Mm -hmm. uh, for the lifestyle that we live here in Florida, it's fine. That, but that's where I, I agree. The, the disagreement is completely on immigration. I think it's completely mm -hmm. wrong. And the way they're separating families, I'm completely against that. I mean, it's just I want to make that clear. So that's mm -hmm. why I was very vocal because I was just like, this is this cannot be, you know, from one end and the other. And then you got the people like the people rioting and stuff. I, I understand the causes. I support those causes. But there's no reason to riot. It just reminds me of Venezuela when I was there uh, or mm -hmm. the time post there and seeing some of my friends who fled that. They went and protested and just got shot because they were protesting. And then mm -hmm. this is I've been really vocal about it. I'm like, mm -hmm. well. Twitter is it's a good platform to get the stuff out it, there. It and is. I have friends I've disagreed with. You know, friends are friends are good of mine. You know, my kid sister's a big Biden supporter. We've disagreed, but at the end of the day, you know, I we love each other. We understand we have differences mm -hmm. um, in the ways that we think. But certainly, that's kind of my my motivation. And like some people deserve some justice. Like at least I see it from my angle. I may be completely wrong to others. It's totally fine. But I see it my way, and you know, at the end of the day, we're we're all one. You know, we're one people, right? We, we care about each other, and where you have those disagreements, you find some common mm -hmm. things, and you try to bond there. But yeah, and Twitter's a great platform for that. I, and I think what what ends up happening is that when you do express your voice, people that share commonalities with that opinion, it. Tend, tend to find you but then the others the other side to that is the ones that disagree tend to find you too so yeah, you, you can't know, please everybody no you, you can't but you know it's unfortunate i really like i said to me i, I really wish that these things get, get a little bit moderated or yeah. you know have a little bit more of respect for each other because i think unfortunately the internet opens up to that and just people say well you you, you think this yeah. you're crazy you're stupid i'm like well, dude, you know, it's just, I'm just expressing an opinion. I may be completely wrong. Like a friend of mine from Italy, big pro Biden, he, he opened me my eyes a little bit, my think about it, right? Like this whole thing of socialism. And again, mm -hmm. it's probably a different topic, but, mm -hmm. uh, you know, see it differently. I'm from Europe. I, we see it differently. So, you know, some things make me understand more. I'm trying to understand more what people are saying these things and me, instead of me just being with blind and just say, this is my opinion. I don't care what you say. Uh, mm -hmm. I like to listen to others despite I may not agree or they don't agree. With me. It doesn't matter. What's important is always dialogue. Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's very important. So yeah, man, Twitter, that's how I met you too. So. That's right. That's exactly right. And that, and I think you and I share the, the commonality that, you know, for me over the last five months, I mean, I, I've met hundreds of people that I've now befriended on Twitter and, and you're one of them. I mean, you know, yeah. you and I talked a few weeks ago and we talked for an hour and it, it, it felt like five minutes. And, and I think that's because you find folks that um, you you tend to are be attracted to, if you will, because of the commonalities there, the commonality and ideals or the commonality and, and you know, forward thinking, right? And uh, thinking about looking forward versus, hey, this has happened and dwelling on that. And just we can't change what's happened in the past with immigration, but we no. can talk about what the future looks like, which 
you know, kind of leads me into, you know, now that we're a month removed from the election, you've had a chance to, you know, really digest these results. Do you have any predictions for employment-based immigration as a whole for the U.S. in the next four years? Well, I mean, from what I'm hearing, the H-1B got blocked. The, the rule is going to get mm-hmm. blocked or got blocked. So that's, yep. like, that's a good thing because mm-hmm. I think that's not going to be like, for example, I'm going to have eventually at some point in my life, I want to have my business. And if I can help somebody from abroad to come and work with me and, and facilitate that, man, it's, it, it'll, be a, it'll be an honor because I, you know, I don't want people to go through what I went to. Number, that's mm-hmm. number one. But I hope that it'll it'll be better. I just don't think some things are going to change much. I, I, I think that this, the stuff in priority, I've talked to Christine about it. I think yeah. I talked to some of our friends. I think, unfortunately, the country cap is going to s- still be there. There's yeah. always going to be the one or two that are going to say, no, no, we need to block it. And that's it. Just just, just go back in the line until it opens up. Mm-hmm. But I, again, I think it's a matter of priority. And I think the biggest priority that the country has in, in, in terms of immigration right now is fixing the illegal and fixing DACA. Yeah. The, you know, unfortunately, us who've done it the right way, we're like down in the priority list. But I think there, I do feel, for example, for the program, you know, having those caps, they're probably going to be a little bit more linear, which is yeah. the way it should have been always done. And that, that that's the way it should stay. Uh, and not with so many restrictions where you're forcing an employer to pay you 120000 Well, why should you, an entry-level employee, make the same as the director of whatever? I mean, it, Right. It's out of whack. Yeah. I mean, I, and I think that's, you know, as you said, uh, the news evidently came down late Monday, but it was reported yesterday, uh, Judge Jeffrey White, federal district court uh, uh, judge in San Francisco ruled favorably um, again in the the U.S. Chamber of Commerce uh, versus Department of uh, Homeland Security Department of Justice case. Um, yeah, I mean, I think when you think about that, right, the the country cap quote on country caps for employment based preferences. That's something I've been very vocal about that I think is just wrong. It's not right. We need that. It needs to be changed. And it needs to be addressed. And and I'm I'm hopeful. My Indian friends, I'm a big S three eighty six supporter. Yeah, that needs uh, to happen. Anybody is listening to me. I'm 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 game. You know that needs yeah. to happen. It's just and I, I spoke out in favorably of it too. But unfortunately, yeah. it's just looking more and more like with everything that's being tied up. Right, there's going to be confirmations that have to take place in the Senate. They're still dealing with this stimulus. Stimulus. I, I just I don't think it's going to be called back to the floor. And as I've talked about a little bit on uh, my video yesterday, you know, I think it's going to be May or June before we see any sort of legislation be put on the House floor or or the Senate floor. Uh, But you're right, though. It feels like employment based preferences are taking a bit of a backseat to to the family based and the undocumented. But I will tell you that I've talked to some people here recently that said activity is happening and that they're they're hearing that. Uh, the transition plan is to rescind a lot of the executive actions that were put in place as it relates to the H-1Bs and employment-based preferences. So I guess time will tell on that, right? Um, it just is uh, it's just something that that we'll just have to take the wait and the wait and see approach on. Um, yeah. You know, I don't I don't know if you saw this yesterday or not, but uh, the UK 
um, announced that today was the first day they'd be accepting applications for their point-based immigration system. Um, And you and I have talked about this a little bit. You know, what are your thoughts on a merit-based system and could it work here in the U.S.? Definitely could work. Definitely. I mean, you just have to structure it right. You have to make it probably a little bit tighter than Canada or other smaller countries. Yeah, I Australia, and New Zealand, I think. You know, these are the smaller other. countries, so there's yeah. more here. You know, you have we have people for everything, right? But yeah. I think certainly that would be amazing. Now, was that something that this administration was contemplating? I'm pretty sure they were. I'm yeah. not. That's why I do feel that somebody inside was like, well, let's figure this out. I think time ran out. They just get, well, it came out the you know the cotton bill was 2017 right, right. They, it's unfortunate that in the four years that was something that he ran on in 2016 and just didn't get it done and instead you know something like a merit-based system wasn't going to be able to be done through executive action no. it, it, it required an act of congress and they just didn't have the bipartisan support and unfortunately i think a lot of that goes back to the, the lobbyist dollars behind blocking something like that right and, um, yeah but i that would work i mean you know in a, in a in an ideal world i mean i thought about this right how to design this i'm like yeah you do point system but it's mm-hmm. also on awards who the person is okay because mm-hmm. i think any person should be able to have the right to come here on their merits and then on their skills and whatnot and it's just a matter of organizing it into a fashion i'm like yeah well you know you have let's say you have a master's in computer science and you're a great programmer you could help this industry well your timeline will be two years because mm-hmm. we have a certain amount of things or, you know, maybe you have this interest here, maybe your timeline will be a little bit less. You know, it, it is, it, it should be, uh, I'm using my scientific things, you sort of like a variable of expertise versus time. Yeah. The more expertise that you've got and then you can work through the system, the sooner you should get to the country because the country needs you. Mm. That, that should be the equation that, you know, should work here. But, you know, Oh, and in Washington is going to do this. I don't know, man. Yeah. I mean, well, it's a, you you make an interesting point well, talking about merit, but you you didn't use the term, but I am, which is how do you evaluate character? Right. Yeah, it's subjective, right? Mm-hmm. It's subjective. I mean, I think unfortunately, our the country our country is based on a system where I think cultural integration is still happening it's mm-hmm. not it, there's so many things that are so rooted to the system that how do you change it how do you unfortunately i have to bring this out how do you bring somebody who has a name from the middle east that is not a common name and is not in some database like mm-hmm. how do you know that person with that same name is a really good person and it's how do you know that and unfortunately this is so rooted in our system i don't see it changing i don't see it changing this year i don't, see, I don't even know maybe beyond my lifetime but certainly how do you evaluate character based on not on paper but on interviews on behavior on temper look how they do this 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 temporary green cards for people that get married yeah like you know they give you two years and they're telling you well in two years you gotta stay married i mean you gotta be bona fide you gotta you gotta show Mm -hmm. that to the government Uh, how how, that's it i think that's that's the starting point for measuring character but mm-hmm. how do you do it? Do you do something like that? Do you try to make something like, oh, we'll give you a temporary green card just to show you you're a really good person. You're not a, you're not a, a problem to the U.S. A public charge, call it like the way they want to call it today. 
don't know. I mean, could it be? Maybe. They mm -hmm. have to try pilot programs to do that. But again, I, uh, you have to have somebody creative and somebody with 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 a good staff around it and people yeah. supporting that. Because otherwise, well, it's that, just going anywhere. I think that's what concerns me with you know the elect, you know, president elect's administration and kind of what I'm foreseeing, which is a lot of the same as I talked about. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't seem like there's any desire to have creativity for reform that would be mutually beneficial. And to me, I always come back to the merit-based point system is that answer. But the complexity of getting to that point, right? And then the lobbyists and the associations that would do everything in their power to try to prevent a system like that because it, it would remove, it's going to run their pockets. And so, yeah, I mean, that's the, the who moved my cheese. Who knows, debate. man? I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's a tri-storming process. That's my opinion. I mean, at least that's yeah. what we do and the type of job that I do. We try things and measure, measure some KPIs. But how do you, how do you make that in a public environment? It's difficult. But who yeah. knows? I, I, really, I really hope. Uh, that something is gonna get done for the better, mm -hmm. of, for for the good of everybody. Even and I can tell you, even for people that have green cards and they want to get married to somebody that's foreign, they have their have their spouses or their future spouses outside of the country. Even here, that they don't they don't have that. That is that is a, another broken system. Did, I don't yeah. know if you knew this, but did you know, like for example, as an American citizen, you get married to somebody with or without status, and they get granted. Immediate, you know, you go through 485, you get job permit, you get it in about six months or something. You normalize that. But if you are a green card, you want to get married to that same set. No, it doesn't work that way. It takes about yeah. two years. I mean, that, tell well, me that's. I had a good friend of mine uh, that married a girl from Colombia, and the process to get her here through the K visa was it took them forever. They had been married a while too. And it just, it, it was thousands of dollars and, you know, quite the lengthy process. And, you know, that's a completely another discussion. We don't really get into family-based preferences here on, on this channel, but the commonality there, Oscar, is the money, you know? That's it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's like that. It's like the system is broken everywhere. Unfortunately, it is broken. Despite yeah. they want to call it that there's a structure. Yeah, there's a structure, but it's broken. It has, yeah. has places all over. So, so anyway, hey, said, you, you found me on uh, Twitter, but we're originally introduced through the H1B Guy Live Stamp It Out Q&A for with the brilliant mind of Christine Mikulajou. Um What is it that, uh, you know, drew you to me and, and the H1B Guy platform? So, well, first of all, I, uh, hi, Christine. She's probably watching or not. But, uh, I yeah, think we, she we is. Talk. If I know yeah, her, we, she's either watching now or at some point. So Yeah, I know. We, we speak. Actually, after I read her article in Medium, I actually reached out to her. I'm like, dude, we got to talk. We got to talk yeah. because you have the same story with me. I mean, unfortunately, yours, you know, turned out differently, but we have the same story here. Uh, and then I saw you guys speaking, and I'm like, man, you are a guy. I mean, you you know what you're talking about, and you have this genuine aspect of trying to help others, and it aligns to what I want to do because I'm telling you, after all of these things that I have done, 
I kind of retrospectively go look and say, man, I should have become an immigration expert attorney or something like that, where I can help people do yeah. this because yeah. it, it, it is, it is complicated. And it drew me, it was like, this is great. Now I have somebody I can, I can speak to regardless because this is a, this is an important topic to bring up to the web with as much audience as possible because merit-based immigration is broken in the u.s uh, as much as the illegal immigration trying to normalize people is i mean it, it is it is just bad in both ends so mm -hmm. the idea you have a platform where you bring stuff up and you educate around the h1b process mm -hmm. for people that are in school here and want to stay here or people are abroad and they need to come here through that there is a there's an education process that people need to go through because it's mm -hmm. not that easy it's not like oh yeah i'm gonna get hrv go to, to the states and just become a you know, just stay there forever no i mean it's what i was telling christine and i tell the audience it's like you got to come with a mindset of a do i come here to work and leave or do i here come and work and suffer and stay all this long time hopefully it's not that long for you or anybody as many as of us has been and really yep. drive through it and not get affected by it because I got affected. I, I developed a lot of like pain in my mind and yeah, nice, anger. Nice I mean, that's really what it is. And, and anger, anger and frustration. And, yeah. So I'm happy. Like I said, uh, like I'm happy now. I know a colleague, a friend and yeah. And, and you know what I tell people are listening to this when he's saying about consulting guys, like just, just listen to him. Like if you, if you want to get that portable piece of mind, Right. Work with work with H1B guy here yep. because he is, you know, the times that we've spoken, it's like, dude, we know so much about it. And I'm I'm actually helping him out on this projects because I know no I want to help, but I want to help you guys too. Like right. again, there's a lot of uncertainty and it's about education and about being aware where you are today and where you want to be. So just set up goals. Right. And I think what draws me to you, Oscar, is just how genuine and passionate you are about making sure others don't make the same mistakes. And what's really interesting about you is we're talking about a PhD in biochemistry. And Actually, chemistry, but, but yeah, it's okay. A PhD in chemistry. So when I look at the last two folks that I've had on this channel, right, for the Stamp It Out series, um, Christine and, and you. Christine is a Harvard graduate, okay? And you are a PhD in chemistry. Um, I will tell you that my business administration degree from Georgia Southern University holds no candle to either one of those. So the point that I'm making, though, is that you are not, Oscar, what people would call um, the cookie cutter H1B, right? You, you read about the statistics out there, which is 70% Indian, um, you know, for H-1Bs. And again, that's a large majority of what follows my channel, who subscribes to me, who reads my content. But I wanted to tell you your story because your picture is different. It's painted with a different brush than, than a lot of others. And yet here you still had to go through a series of hurdles and hoops. But what I will tell you that I've learned from you is that you never gave up and you continue to pursue every option that you had at your fingertips. You continue to research. And when you needed to, you picked up the phone and you made phone calls to people who can help you. And so, listen, I'm not an immigration attorney. I've said that multiple times, but I do love to help people. And 
at the end of the day, if I can help you in any way, whether it's through these series of videos or if you, you know, someone's out there that needs to speak to me, um, I'd love to hear from you. And, you know, that's, that's something that I think about you and your story that if you could go back and say, hey, if I had someone that I could have bounced these ideas or these questions off of, right, you know, would that have advanced my timeline? Right. Because that's really what we're looking for is, is how do I condense my timeline? The perm labor process is grueling for everyone, no matter whether you're from India or from Venezuela. It is a grind when you're talking about employment based preferences. It's a grind. And yeah. So, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, really. Like in, in, in that you're saying, you just nail it in the head. It's just advance the timeline or even postpone the timeline because all of us have different priorities. And I think it's a matter of I'm coming to the U.S. What's my, what am I going to get out of here? Am I going to get that I need to stay here and I want to form my life here? And I want, you know, knowing that, for example, you may be from India or you may be from China. Unfortunately, those are the two countries. You're from Philippines because Philippines is another country that has that kind of backlog. Yeah. Mexico is, man. But, you know, even so, whatever country you're coming from, do you come with that mentality like, okay, well, I'm going to come here and I'm going to stay because I don't want to go back to my home country. Right. Okay. Like or you now, have nobody there for you. Right. I mean, <laughs> and now you have to come and you have to take that pill and you have to absorb that and say, this is what I'm going to do. And you have to mindset on that because nobody tells you this when you're graduating, when you're going to the embassy, nobody tells you this. You're just going out there hoping because you have to be positive. Right. And that's how I live. That's why I'm so enthusiastic i put 100 percent of my energy to doing these things and i know despite if i'm gonna get if something's gonna go wrong at least you know i i know i'm gonna try something else and i'm gonna try something else but that's that's kind of where we're going here so the fact that for example you can call here you can call h1b guy and say hey you know what this is my situation right now um yep. let me let me talk you know my lawyers are not getting me anything can you help me get some answers you know this this is valuable because mm -hmm. that investment or time investment you do up front or you kind of look at this this is important um mm -hmm. i i just tell this to my friends like i had a call i had a call from a customer of mine today he's a friend become he's a customer from the company i'm working with and then he called me he's from turkey he says oscar i, I, I need to i need to get a job i'm finishing my postdoc right now and i don't want to go back to turkey and then he told me i told him dude go sponsor yourself that's what i told him you have a phd you're very more, much more published than you. You probably get it. You go pay a lawyer that does this, and I gave him some names. Get the NIW, yeah. Get the NIW. Give you an EV one because he has so many like references yeah, and stuff like that. I mean, just mm -hmm. do it. Like, don't even waste your time with an employer. Well, and I don't from know. From Turkey, there's there's no wait, right? I mean, no when you're talking about That's a I told him. status, yeah. But but I told him, I mean, if you want to do that, just do that. But if you don't want to, you can go the other route, which is the muscle yeah. route. Like you gotta yeah. go to get an H one B, get your right. get the the employer to do everything, and yeah, voila. But you have told him you have to be conscious that this is gonna be a long process, and you gotta eat that job and marry to that job and just eat the process. Mm -hmm. So he said, yeah, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a look at it. So. Well, let's talk a little bit more about uh, your business. You know, I know you have a full-time employer and, and you have yeah. a full-time job that, that, that you work, you know, 40, 50, 60 hours a week on. But I also know that you have some service offerings that, that you provide out and that you have a family business as well. Um, yeah. I know that, that, you know, business growth, 
career consulting and even some scientific consulting services. Um, I know you have a retail design, you know, family business as well. Um, But I wanted to give you an opportunity just, you know, if people want to find out more about what it is that you do, where, where can they find you? I mean, LinkedIn is my my platform of choice. Uh, I mean, they can find me on Instagram at Dr. Oscar C. If you want to see pictures of me playing with my dogs or just hanging out in the street and whatnot. But sometimes I used to when I when it was normal to go to conferences, I would be at every conference just doing videos and highlighting yeah. what I'm, I'm giving a talk on a topic. I work in my, my field is analytical chemistry, very mm-hmm. particular in anal, you know, uh, analyzers, laboratory analyzers for those of you maybe or may not be scientists here. Uh, I work on some. Uh, very, very unique things. I work with with like analysis of pesticides, drugs of abuse, like narcotics in urine, blood. Um, most of my, but my my truly, my true passion is all forensics and and pesticide residue and mm. contaminants. So I get a lot of people calling me all the time. Hey, you know, we have we have a lab or we want to open a lab. Can you help us set it up? Uh, give us mm-hmm. the right equipment. So that's kind of like the scientific consulting that I do. I look at productivities and all the you know what things mean. But also people have come and asked me, hey, we got we got an electronics business, like an online electronics business. And can you help us out, map out a, how to do it? You know, how do we get more customers? So I do a lot of that, too, and, and career advice all the time. I mean, mm-hmm. career is probably what people call me the most for, especially people, a lot of international people asking me. Yeah. What, like I told you, a buddy of mine, Turkey, he's like, what do I do? I mean, right. you know what to do. So mm-hmm. um, I typically just give him an advice. So find me on LinkedIn. I'm... I'm, I'm yeah, I'll, um, I have your LinkedIn profile in the description yeah. of this video. I've also got your Twitter handle um, yeah. as well. I don't have. Don't get offended by my Twitter, my tweets. Uh, <laughs> I get not, no, but it's just sometimes I just rant out and I talk about my soccer team and how much. But yeah, it's okay. Well, which which brings me to a question that wasn't on our agenda, but you and I had this conversation, which is we agreed that Pulisic is the best American football player in the world. But we also agreed on something else, which is that Marcos Alonso is the best left back in the world as well, right? Not now, but at oh. Chelsea, yeah, yeah, no, the best <laughs> left back right now in the world. Man, it's a tough one to say. Um, I mean, Theo is doing great at Milan. Um, yeah, dude, I, I actually can't answer that. I don't know who's yeah, really. Tough one, I'm not, huh? I haven't watched. I haven't watched the Premiership recently. I yeah. I've kind of zoned. I, I don't like what Peacock did. I, I'm not. I'm paying for ESPN Plus. Yeah, we but, talked uh, about. It. I fortunately have the Peacock right now for uh, for free. But through did, our, did Chelsea? Service. Didn't Chelsea play yesterday? Or they play I, today? I, I, I can't yesterday. remember. I haven't. I haven't looked the last couple of days. Don't don't pull my fan card from me on that. But um, I wanted to just say for those of you that are still on the live stream, if you'd like this video, if you haven't already, I'm going to give one last call here for questions for uh, Dr. Oscar Cabrisis or myself. We've got a good list. I'm just going to go ahead and and roll into those now. I'm just going to start from the top. But if you've got any questions that you want us to get through. Go ahead and, and post those in the chat. Um, so this was even before the stream got started. Uh, Oscar Samir has been a huge supporter here of this channel. Um, you know, he uh, I think he found me about a month or so ago and just has, has really done nothing but but offer so much support and um, encouragement for me over the last month. And the irony in his support has been when the growth of this channel and platform has, has really occurred. So I don't know, Samir may be my good luck charm, Oscar. It's uh, funny when people find you that good. all of a sudden create this kind of stuff. But uh, 
Um, here you go. Here's here's two thumbs up for us and a and a fist bump and a, a, a good morning here from Samir. I think it's afternoon here on the East Coast for us. Um, you know, hey, this is for you, Oscar. Says thanks for doing this so much. It means so much for us and and our aging out kids, right? And yeah, that's man, one of the I mean, things that that we needed to talk about. You know, yeah, that's important because I aged out. I was a vic. I was calling a victim that I aged out, but it was really not my fault or not my parents' fault. It's just the system how it's structured. Mm -hmm. um, so I think I think Samir, thanks thanks for that. I think it's important to to have a plan. You know, you need to have a plan for your kids already. Uh, yeah. as, as they start to grow, like uh, either enroll in the university or if they want to study abroad, if that's something that you uh, feel and those kids, you know, that that's a possibility, that's that's fine. There's nothing wrong in leaving the country and studying somewhere else. I can tell you because I've gone to other, I've given lectures in other universities and sometimes I'm like, man, you know, I'm like better. Some universities are better. So, mm -hmm. you know, it, you got to be open and it depends on where you're from too. Right. So mm -hmm. that's 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 unfortunately a factor. So mm -hmm. nothing wrong with considering that. So no. So this is you guys rock folks in the audience share far and wide. Yeah. I mean, even, you know, now or after this thing, uh, you know, goes into um, a publication, which will probably be sometime early tomorrow. That's what you can do to help me and this platform and Oscar to get this word out, which is like subscribe, share the link. I'll post it on Twitter tomorrow. Uh, retweet, paste it. Uh, EVGuy7 on Twitter is one of my biggest supporters. He He's the, the video I did with Christine, our stamp it out. Uh, I think he's probably over 50 shares on that. And that's where she released probably the most riveting comment that you can. And it, it, the hair literally stands up on my arms, which is the worst way to come to America is on merit and skill. I mean, does that just if not it is, burn it, I mean, you? It, it's burning. It's burning yeah. if you don't know if you don't know ahead. So one thing, guys, uh, get on the Telegram platform. Actually, that was a conversation I had. Yeah, no, I, I have that Telegram. too. Yes. You're going to get updates because H1B guy, he's, he's really on the ball of what's happening, and it's good to know. I mean, it's really, you know, you have a good, reliable portal. And yep. for those of you who are waiting for a perm online, and, I, I mean, I give you this tip too. I remember back in my time, there's, like, perm trackers online. Yeah. Like people are, some, some people just have built some programming that goes into the Department of Labor checking every day what's coming out. Yep. You don't know because I, I was just like, man, there was like four weeks back then just making sure that my thing was approved or if it yeah. was filed, I never got, right? So, yeah. yeah, no, yeah. I, I'm glad you brought it up. Um, I have created the H1B Guy group on Telegram. Um, I'll put a link in the description. This was completely Oscar's idea. Um, I'd not used Telegram before. I've only used WhatsApp, but uh, Oscar felt like Telegram would, would give me a little bit more far-reaching globally. Um, and we talked about kind of the intention behind the Telegram group. Of course, I'm going to be active on Twitter. I'll be active here. But Telegram is the H1B guy group on Telegram is meant to be a crowdsourced news and personal experience channel. And I am going to ask you about what content you want to see from me when I'm working on a couple different things. And I'm looking for you guys to share with me your opinion. Um, if you've got a situation and you want to get some advice, I think we're 19, 20 members so far. Um, but the link is in the description. If you're looking for it, it's, it's T 
t.me slash dh1d guy. Um, so Oscar, thanks for that idea. You know, that was something I put out. I started, we started Thanksgiving. Um, I created the channel on the 25th. We're at 20. Um, I am giving away a free consulting uh, offer to the 50th subscriber on the Telegram channel. Um, so please come join the conversation there. We'd just really appreciate it. Um, Samir was talking about, uh, that's what I fear for my daughter. She is just eight right now, came here when she was two and a half. She is so used to life here that it will be devastating. And I think that goes back to that comment where you were talking about your family was here. You had nobody anywhere else. And this right here is the fear that the Dalka kids are living, yeah. right? They, they came here legally, not at their own choice, but legally on employment-based preferences and, and are aging out. And um, it's, okay. you know, it's, it's going to be a matter, well, hopefully, in the next watch. She's eight, so she's got 13 years still to, to, to kind of like age out, right? Currently. Yeah. But it, it's it's a matter of, of programming the, you know, the chip and the kid, right? Like almost like, okay, well, listen, you know, if things don't happen – you know, you may want to have, you may want to, you can stay here, you know, you have to pay a premium for that or go to, you know, I don't want to say Canada only, but you can go to the yeah. UK, go to Germany, go to Australia. I mean, I think one, one thing we do forget, um, and this is probably, if I have was in Venezuelan, I probably would have considered it because I have a better country that to rely on like, yeah. politically or, you know, social, something structurally that, you know. Well, your, uh, your country quota cap is, is different right you know it's there's no quota cap yeah in Venezuela, right. there's no quota cap but the problem is it's like i came from a country that's right now if you see the news it's just not good i mean it's right just, it's, yeah your quality no, of life there versus here are two completely different uh there are no yeah. passports there are yeah. no passports like my passport will expire in two years yeah. uh, and, and i have no rights there's no way to renew it it's that messy wow. but you have some other people that are from other countries that have that well, you know, you can rely and go into, like I said, you can say, well, maybe I'll go to New Zealand and work and, you know, study it for four years and maybe I try to come back, mm -hmm. maybe visit my parents. You know, you never know um, if if moving outside sometimes is better. You know, sometimes yeah. some people work out. Well, but some people, it's funny like you me, said Canada because the, com the comment right after that was consider Canada, question mark. <laughs> of course, yeah, Chris, come on. She knows that I, I love Canada, and Canada mm -hmm. is amazing. So, yeah. I mean, like I said, you can consider any anyhow. Yeah. But, I mean, it, it's a matter of somebody that, again, setting that priority. Where where do I want to go? Where, do you want to be far? Do you want to be close? Mm -hmm. It is just we got we to gotta go with a mind that this system is not really going to change immediately, at least for right. us that we're trying to – we've been doing it right for many years. So. Janet says we wrongly assume everyone wants to help us to become citizens, but that isn't the case. I agree. Yeah, it's it's just not. The system is not designed to help you. No, it's a deterrent yeah. system. It's like if you do wrong, you're out. That's why I'm saying to be in on a green card status, it's wonderful. I mean, yeah, you don't have to worry about this anymore. But now you have to worry about not trying to screw up because you can lose that right and you can get kicked out. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, that's it's funny. I, that's how I live today, you know. Like, yeah. like I, I, I gotta watch out, and I have to be like, careful. right. Well, and then you look at the America First faction, right, which is anti-immigrant across every sort of realm, 
And then, you know, you've got to go back and, and ask the question, you know, have you done an ancestry DNA? You know, you're, unless you're a hundred percent Native American, you are here because of immigrants, right? And I think that that's the, the thing that to me kind of drives me crazy a little bit with, with it. I get, I get some of the extreme, but you know, at the end of the day, we're all immigrants or, or descendants of, of immigrants. Oh. I mean, yeah. we're all, and I think that's that's what it's supposed to be. So, is, you know. Samir says our plan is to wait until she turns ten. That's if I'm gonna call it off and move. Then it's either India or Netherlands, as my company has office there. Unless it's not about can, unless something changes by then. It's not. Listen, it's it's not. It's not a bad idea at all. In fact, Holland is, is a great country to live. I mean, different lifestyle, of course. You know, I've been in, in America here for a long yeah. time and I've worked in Europe. And again, it's it's not a bad idea. I think yeah. at this point, you know, I'm not I'm not trying to sound discouraging. It's just it's the way it is. It's just that's how the system is written. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like, unfortunately, the backlog is so long that it's, it's stupid, you know. So, but, you know, keeping an open mind that, hey, you know, it's not like it's it's so amazing here. Yeah, it is amazing. It's wonderful. Everything works. It's just some things. You know what? Like there's a world out there, and it's not it's not that bad. Like that's yeah. one thing I've I've learned. Like you know, I'm gonna be here for as long as I can, and you know, my goal is to become a citizen. That's my personal goal. Like I need, I want to do that, so I have the freedom to. If I say I want to move to Italy or move down mm -hmm. to Brazil or yeah, in the future, get back I can come back country. here. Yeah. I go back to me. That's my goal. Like I, that's me. But some other people yeah. may have another goal. So it's it's really putting it into perspective. Yeah. Because Tamir also yeah. said he was he was lucky enough, um, and that his uh, employer he loves them for this. They did it at the moment he completed his six months in the firm. That's talking about the perm labor. We were talking about condensing that process. And I've always said if you have an employer who understands your situation and understands the value that you provide to their organization then you're in the driver's seat. It's just time that is your enemy, really. Um, and how long you're willing to continue to work for that employer until the time flips itself on, on your side. Um, exactly. And so I've seen some more, and I've seen some people that, for example, um, this happened with a colleague of mine in another company that, you know, he was Indian and he, he you know, they waited, her, her daughter, his daughter also aged out. But what they did is that he saved up all the money through. She was about to age out and they moved to Europe. They're living in the UK. Mm -hmm. He's pretty much retired because he made so much money. He's doing the same job over there. I said, that's fine. You know, at least I completed my mission here. Like, which yeah. is brought, you know, I brought her up here. She's in school. She's got everything. We got money. So, you know, it, it it's almost like, like I said, it's just priorities. Priorities mm -hmm. is like, I guess, the main message I've been trying to drive across. Yeah. You want to yeah. come here for six years? You want to come here for three, or do you want to go and muscle it through? And it, it's so it's different for everybody. So, um, Christine said that Janet was exactly right on the the move to or the the folks don't want to help you uh, become citizens. It's just not the not the case. Um, so here you go. This is uh, from Daniel DiMartino. Uh, great to hear your experience, Oscar. I'm a Venezuelan as well and doing a PhD in the U.S. Wonderful. Uh, from one Venezuelan PhD to another. He also has a question. We'll get to that here. Um, I'm going I'm to jump right to it and then come back to it. Yeah, let's jump to that. Me. 
So he says, uh, hey, did you publish in peer-reviewed journals before applying for an NIW Oscar? Yeah, yeah I did. I did. I mean, I, I published like two papers. I mean, it was my – so it's interesting. My, my advisor, my research advisor at USC was kind of slow. He's actually retiring next year. So it was like a – it was a pain. But if you have a good advisor and you have a good team and you can get as published as possible – uh, that's very important. I mean, the most important is you get your stuff out there in journals. Um, that helped. Um, that certainly mm -hmm. helped. And then, of course, people make references of your papers. And, you know, that that creates an important course. That's why I tell people who are really published, like, man, you have like 100, 200, or sometimes 2,000 citations. You're a god in, yeah. in whatever science because everybody refers to you. So you're a key, you're a subject matter expert. Well, and so here's I, what it is, too, Oscar. It's evidence. Yeah, and in that, yeah, all that gets put into the case, right? All of that gets put. In, the lawyer puts all of that things for you up front. My, right. I have a cousin who's Venezuelan who, um, he lives in Seattle. He's a chemical engineer, um, and he did that. I mean, he just had a lot of he created some reactor. He actually had a patent on it, so he did mm -hmm. the same. I because his employer was holding him, I'm like go ahead and do this, and yeah, boom, six months too, like proof. So for hey, us, we I, have PhDs, we, we, but it, it, again, I don't think it's every PhD either. Yeah. I think you have to have very certain things. I think the life sciences is really where it's at, but mm. I don't know. That was, that was years ago. Hopefully it's, you know, still. Yeah. I think okay. the point is, is that with the PhD, right, there's certain doors that could possibly be open for you, making sure that, that you've been published, you've written um, a fair amount of papers, you've done a lot of documented research that some, um, referred to by others, right? And the last point that I'll make on this is before applying for the NIW, you know, you definitely need to consult with your own immigration attorney, not your employers. Exactly, because that's the, that's that's what I that's what I did. I hired my own attorney and I'm telling you, go and that's probably the best money you're going to put down because that is something you have control of. Yeah. Not your your employer has in control of their stuff and your I remember when, when I transferred to this other company, I had an email in bold letters saying, this lawyer represents this company, doesn't represent you in big bold letters. Mm. So, you know, immediately that that just takes away all your rights. So Yeah, if you, if you can't read the bold letters, then you're in real trouble, you know. Yeah, well, I read the little letters and the bold letters. Yeah. So um, Sanjay is asking me, I'm graduating uh, with a master's in May of 2021 and we'll be looking for a job in IT. Can you briefly uh, describe what to expect with the new rules? Thank you. Um, so I'm assuming that he's referring to the OPT. There was some, some news and I, I'm gonna plan to cover that on Friday um, around the, the Department of uh, Department of Justice, Department of Labor, I believe, um, that was covering kind of the, the OPT F1, changing from F1 to OPT and what that adjustment of status looks like. Uh, I'm assuming that that's what Sanjay's referring to. Uh, I'm going to be covering that on, on Friday, but it looks like there's definitely some, some further scrutiny that's being put on the OPT, um, EAD specifically. If Sanjay, if you're referring to the H-1B lottery, which there was um, uh, a, a memo, uh, a notice that was posted, uh, notice uh, proposed to, to reform where they talked about changing from a true lottery uh, to actually wage 
selection. So if that's what you're asking about, it looks like that that is currently in the comments phase. Uh, and ultimately, that could have an impact on the 2022 fiscal year lottery. And my understanding is that the way I read it and I'm interpreting it, it's going to be H-1B will go to the highest, uh, highest paid. Um, so I'll definitely be monitoring and, and putting more out on the, uh, the OPT uh, EAD, if that's what you're asking about. But from a wage perspective, I fully expect that the lottery will be based on wage versus uh, random selection uh, for fiscal year 2022. So my, uh, my, advice to Sanjay, my advice to Sanjay for this, okay, yeah. is not one, start connecting with people, okay? Uh, network and say, hey, you know, looking for a job, get your name out there, okay? Because the sooner you have that offer, the better, because ideally when you submit your OPT application, if you have an offer letter, so I think, well, I don't know, man. My, back in my time, they were they took two and a half months to process an OPT. I'm assuming it's now even more. Of course, yeah, six, sixty to ninety days, and and you've got to have the card in hand, the AD yeah. card in hand. Yeah, because you, you can't can work. Working. Yeah, so that's why I'm saying it's like the sooner you do, the better. Because if you can secure an offer and you can start, like, okay, you already have that ahead of time, man. That puts you a, a ahead. So the moment you get the card, you're not looking for the job and wasting those mm. days. And the other thing I recommend you, like I said before, think about, do you want to come here and stay here forever? That's your goal. Or do you, you say, well, you know, knowing, I don't know where your country is from, but I don't want to make any assumptions, but you, you got to get ready for like, okay, I'm here for 10 years. I'm here for 15 years. I'm here for six or three. Mm -hmm. Put that in your mind, see where that, because that will help you figure out a path forward without pain yeah do you want to do you want to work 36 months under opt and opt stem and and are or is the long goal you know the the cycle which is opt opt stem h1 green card backlog <laughs> exactly. and continuing h1b extensions residually into the foreseeable future um so suresh asked my son's 16 h4 my priority date is may 15. Uh, India, I'm assuming that's an EB2 category that he's talking about. I don't think any miracle going to happen soon. Uh, what should I do in my scenario? Oscar, what would you do? What would I do? Well, that's a, that's a tough one. Your kid's 16, so you got about three years of sorry, high school. So two things. And this is the same thing I told Sanjay. Do you, want, do you need to stay here? This is, this is it. This is end of the road for you, and I'm going to stay here forever. Well, if that is the answer then start planning for your kid to become an international student. I think that is the, 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 the most educated or, you know, given the age probably can go to a, uh, what's it called? A community college, take advantage because with age four, you can take the advantage of paying in state tuition. Mm -hmm. That's a big thing. So whatever you are, whether it's California, or whatever, maybe that you can arrange and get an associate's degree, at least in the fastest time possible before that time runs out and they make some plans of maybe, you know, getting an F1 and completing a degree somewhere else. So it's a little bit cheaper, you know, mm -hmm. you know, it's a high premium or go outside of the country. I mean, it, it's, it's like that. And for yourself, well, like I said, you know, what's, what do you want to do? You really want to stay here um, and just go through it and wait until the, that backlog or, or wait until you can retire. I don't know. I mean, again, it's a, it's a, it's a personal thing, but that yeah. would be me. That would be my priority right now. It's like, I want to get as much education as, as much as sick, a high education as cheap as possible. Like right. in state tuition, it's, uh, it, it is a big benefit because 
And I remember you know, paying like six thousand dollars a semester. It was not fun. It was not yeah. for at least for my parents. It was not good. So well, I think if I do some math here, right? Um, you know, it's on sixteen five years. You know, you're looking at uh, twenty twenty five roughly. Priority date is May two thousand fifteen and EB two. Um, you know, I think he's going to be one of these that's going to be like right close on the number. If there is, I, I, I'm still hearing rumblings of more rapid forward movement, although I've joked about rapid forward movement as a farce. Um, I'm still hearing it. The chatter is still out there. So, you know, I, I think right now I would sit tight, Suresh, at least let your son graduate high school, consider going to a college for a couple of years. And then if you need to begin the F1 process and he wants to stay here, um, I, I mean, that to me at least gets you five more years from where you are right now. Um, that doesn't necessarily get you, you know, any AD with advanced parole or, you know, him under Dalka. But hopefully in, in five years, there may be some reform around around that. Yeah, so. yeah uh, but at least, you know, at least if he can go to school, yeah and and, and and get an associates that's already a big thing because we hear with an associate he's entitled to an opt yeah so that's what i'm saying it's like gotta make sure the kid graduates quick yeah. well high school will be 18 but from high school immediately into college like don't waste yeah. any time just get that going get those 60 mm -hmm. credits out that would be my Yes. Um, so Janet says they're going after legal immigration because they can't do anything about illegal immigration. They're going to have to give them all citizenship or at least a green card, in my opinion. I wanted to say really quickly, Janet, thank you for joining us here today because you have been spewing a lot of truth in your two posts here in the chat. And uh, also to Daniel, um, your fellow Venezuelan for, for joining us here. Uh, I saw Daniel just followed me on Twitter. So thank you for that. And follow me on YouTube. If, if you're not already Janet, same for you. Thank you. But yeah, I mean, she's exactly right. This is what we were talking about here, you know, Oscar, in, in terms of the legal immigration, you know, seems to be the target, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, they can't do anything about it. They just want to make it, they want to make it more difficult. That's why I disagree with the current administration. I'm sorry. They, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't agree that you got to make it more difficult with people, you know, that, that come here and, you know, they're coming to contribute to the economy. They're paying to yeah. stay here. They're paying right. a lot of money to stay here and you still tell them no. I mean, that's unfair. Like it, it is just the way it is. So mm -hmm. I, I hope uh, the next administration will have, and I do see it will have more flexibility. You know, and had the uh, this administration stayed, well, yeah, it would probably have been worse. Not that I want to wish that, but you know what? You know, things are happening for a reason. So that's right. So Suresh oh. had mentioned that that uh, the aging out. He was talking. Um, Samir was talking to Suresh, saying that's his biggest worry. And sorry to hear that, but even I feel it's not going to happen first anytime soon because it seems coming legally and paying taxes doesn't matter here. You know, yeah, I mean, I think yeah. that we've, we've talked about that, right? The good bet. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you pay, you pay, that's it. So Ro Rohan asks, uh, how soon do I think the DOL will revert to old wages? Well, I would have to think, um, you know, the judge ruled late Monday, reported yesterday. Um, the, they're going to have to, by the beginning of next week, begin accepting those old wages. The thing that I do want to warn everyone on here, though, is I am not uh, – um, so sure that this wage rule and the narrowing of the specialty occupation definition is 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 dead and gone 
we may see some sort of um, uh, adjustment to it. I think what happened is, is that there was a significant overreaching in the administration, um, the current administration. I think you could see something because there was a lot of popularity behind the wage rule and the narrowing of the definition of the specialty occupation. Um, but Rohan, to answer your question, I mean, I think that goes back to Monday, right? December 7th is when that was supposed to be in law. So um, it's been temporarily uh, blocked and ruled favorably by the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. Um, Samir had a comment for you here. So thank you so much, Dr. Oscar, uh, for your kind support. He's referring to the S386 support, um, you know, which is, you know, something that they've all been uh, very vocal on. Um, so uh, Samir said, I'll defer to what the H1B guy says, but I was attending Greg Siskin the other day, the attorney who won the case. And he said it's a matter of six to seven days unless DOL has bad intentions to delay it. Also, you could use older wage level, but depends on your lawyer's opinion. Um, and then, you know, Rohan said, thanks, Samir. So this is the kind of stuff, this back and forth between Samir and Rohan and Suresh that yeah. we're looking to create here on this platform on the H1B Guy Telegram channel. Um, so, you know, crowdsourcing is, uh, really, to me, the most important thing, the, the, the concept of the hive mind, right? We are stronger in, in our numbers. So um, good day to you. Aroma's awake. Uh, if that's referring to coffee, I definitely am a big fan of, uh, of coffee. So here we go. Rohan says, Oscar, what do you think? Best left back is Andy Robertson of Liverpool. Uh, I don't know. He's pretty good, though. That Liverpool uh -oh, team I'll just is, give you my thumbs up because I have one of my best friends is a Liverpool fan. Just yeah, they're, they uh, – It's actually pretty good. It's awesome. They're, they're pretty good, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, um, thank you so much for your words, but it's people like you and Oscar who raise the concern in, in the right way. Yeah, that was when I was being my, my good luck charm. So um, I've heard – people bad-mouthing DACA and then supporting DALCA, but I don't feel so. I feel both are important. Uh, both are kids when they came here. And I think, you know, that's the, the key, right, is that they came here very much um, not on their own choice. And so no. that's where, to me, the, 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 the parents' choice. You, you, you want the best for the kid, you know. we feel Illegally like or legally. Illegally or legally, right? It was it wasn't by their their own choice. So, um, <laughs> so uh, Jay Gotham says, "Are we soft targets?" I, I think the answer is is a little bit yes. And and here's why I say a little bit yes. The reason why I think that you are is because it's the cycle, right? And when you look at the cycle as it relates to Indians working under H-1B, only more recently have you seen a very loud vocal community begin to form. Up until the last year or two, there really wasn't a lot of groups out there. I mean, you know, you've got, um, you've got Immigration Voice, you've got the ME Forum, you've got the Green Card Coalition um, uh, backlog that's that our green card backlog coalition that's out there. So you're seeing a lot of um, power in numbers. And if we really want to influence what type of legislation is going to come down in 2021 and 2022, uh, you've got to have power in numbers. And so in order to not be a soft target, Jay, it takes two things, a lot of money 
and a lot of numbers. You have those two things, then you're no longer a soft target. And that's a unity in those two things. So, uh, Suresh, thank you very much, uh, Oscar and, and H1B guy. Glad we could answer your question, you know, our opinion, whether it's right or wrong. So, um, Rohan says, thank you so much for uh, to both of us. Very useful platform I've set up here. Thank you, Rohan, for joining the live stream. I can't do it without your support. Um, and you can do that through liking, sharing, and subscribing and uh, letting your friends know about this channel and, and this platform. Um, Jay says, uh, great job, both of you. Thank you. Um, and then shout out to the H1B guy. I'd like to remind you, making such uh, content, getting all the details, editing, the amount of effort and money. You get some ear on H1B t-shirt, you know? Yeah, maybe that, that's what's next, Teespring or something. I, I don't know. I, I, need a, I need a catchy slogan. Swag. Although I guess your global source for all things H1B is, is pretty it good. Is. You know? It is. So, uh, Samir, thank you. You know, he's produced a show in the past. And, um, again, you know, as I said, he's, he's kind of become my good luck charm. Uh, and then the last thing, please continue to support this channel so that I can continue to do this. Yes. Um, no one has been more surprised by the growth of this channel than my wife. And I am continuing to show her results. And when the Go boss ahead. lady of the house is happy, it makes the H1B guy happy. And I can continue happy, to run this mouse happy wife, right here. Happy life, man. That's happy right. wife, happy life. That's a way to roll. So. Yep. Uh -huh. So, um, so anyway, that's that's all we've got on the the, the Q and A here. Um, you know, I uh, I just wanted to remind everyone to come join us on the Telegram group, the H one B guy group on Telegram. Uh, Doctor Oscar Cabrisis is already on there. Uh, Samir's on there. Uh, my good friend Magna is on there. Uh, here you go, Oscar. Maybe this is it. Jay, the H one B guy merchandise. I mean, I don't know. We got to think about it. I need something that's. Uh, it's breathable material because I'm a sweater, right? Maybe we go masks or something. I don't, I don't know. But um, uh, again, join us on the on the Telegram group. Appreciate everyone who has taken the time to to join us here. Um, I'll tell you, this 90 minutes went by really fast, Oscar. I don't, I don't know about you, but uh, yeah, no, I, yeah, I can't beat your 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 what almost two hours with Christine, but certainly an hour and a half. We, we listen when I. I, I, I'll tell you, um, you know, these things have a way of evolving. Uh, you know, this, this time here today just, just flew by. I, I just thank you so much for coming on this channel, the H1B Guy Live, Stamp It Out 5, telling your story, um, being a proponent for employment-based immigration, for family-based preferences, but overall, a proponent for being a better country, right? Because that's really what it is. It's about America, the melting pot, and the fact that you and I get to chop it up here for an hour and a half and talk about immigration and, and telling your story and what we can do to make things better. Um, so no no video tomorrow. Um, I've, I've got some things that I've got to work on tonight and, and a busy schedule for me personally tomorrow. But I will be back on Friday uh, with the H1B Guy News for the week ending December 4th, 2020. I have a very special announcement that I'm going to be making on that video. Um, so check back uh, Friday afternoon for uh, the H1B Guy News for this week. Um, and just going to ask you again, if you haven't already, please like this video, 
subscribe to the H1B Guy channel here on YouTube. Click the bell for notifications. Um, Oscar, any closing uh, comments from you? The only thing I say thank you for inviting me here. Now you know you can connect with me, connect with us in online. Like I said, I'm yep. any any doubts, any questions. So that's that's why I'm here. I just again I, I have your mindset ready for this and you'll be successful regardless. That's a, absolutely you know, whatever right. you decide, it's gonna be a success. So that's it. And thank I've you. I've uh, I'll include your Twitter uh, handle and your LinkedIn profile or or in the descriptions. Connect, follow. Um, but before we wrap up, yesterday was a huge milestone here on this channel. Um, I crossed over 500 subscribers, over yes. 2,000 hours of watched time. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your support. I am just so humbled by it and uh, crossed over 900 followers on Twitter. And we're just going to keep going. We're on our way to 1,000 here on YouTube. I'm not going to stop talking. We're going to continue to promote merit-based systems and try to create mutual beneficial reform for everybody. With that being said, Oscar, one last thank you. Thank you to all of you who've yep. made it this far. The H-1B Guy, your global source for all things 